Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zerah Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. We know that God is a God of truth, and therefore we should be people of truth. And what I'm speaking about is what we say we should honor. When we give our word, regardless of the circumstances, we need to be faithful, true, and accountable to what we have said and stand in truth, regardless of what others may have said what they may be doing in fact they may be false they may be behaving in a way that is deceptive but their disobedience does not mean that we can disobey and and go back upon what we have promised and the scripture that we're going to be looking at in this time of study is a great example of these things so take out your bible and look with me to the book of joshua and chapter 9 the book of joshua and chapter 9 now we began this chapter last week and there were some people we might call them anshe give on the people of give on and there's other cities that we're going to to study and see our part of these individuals and they came and they pretended to be from a distant place not from the land of the Canaanites. And they came in order to make peace and enter into a covenant with the children of Israel. Now, the problem is this. The people of the land of Canaan were idol worshipers. They were rebellious. They were not men and women of truth. And when confronted with the reality of the God of Israel, they were paralyzed by fear. They did not want to submit. They were entrenched with that idolatrous mentality. And therefore, God told the children of Israel to destroy these individuals. Now, God knew when he made that statement of destruction, we talked about that term, harem, in previous studies, this word which means to annihilate, to fully destroy. He said that because he did not want these individuals to have an improper influence upon God's covenant people. He didn't want that same Egyptian mentality of idolatry and falsehood to be part of the land of Israel and the people who would dwell there. So God gave some very stern instructions on how to deal with these people. And again, what we have seen in this book of Joshua show that when even confronted with the reality of God being supreme, God being sovereign, God destroying the enemies miraculously, these people, the people of Jericho and others did not want to submit. They had that, had that rebellious 
uh, character regardless of, of anything else. Therefore, they were not brought to repentance. They didn't want to repent. Now, were there exceptions? Yes, we've talked about one, Rahav and her family. But for the most part, these individuals, whether we're talking about the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, all those individuals, they were an eternally rebellious people that when confronted with the truth, they did not want to submit. And we need to remember that as we look at this passage. Now, we left off last week in verse 15. And there we see something. Let's go back to that verse. We read it last week, but let's read it again where it says, And Joshua made to them peace, and he cut with them a covenant for their life. Meaning this, he entered into a covenant which is related to an oath that these people, the children of Israel, would not put to death. Now, there's a very important principle. These individuals had lied. They had deceived Joshua. They said that they were from a long or faraway place. This was not the case. They put on clothes and shoes and had supplies and their food that, that resembled a long period of time which they said it took to come to this location for the purpose of, of making peace with the children of Israel. But they weren't from far away, as we'll see in a moment. They were liars. They were deceivers. But because Joshua and the leaders, they did not pray, they did not seek godly counsel, Nevertheless, they gave their word, and Joshua was going to teach us that what we say, we must honor. Now, there is within Judaism today a special service on, on Yom Kippur, the beginning of Yom Kippur, that day of atonement, and it's traditional for some communities, not all, and that service is called Kol Nidre. And what it speaks of is all the vows of, of diff different things that people make a promise. They give their word and they realize that to carry it out would be against the will of God. So they ask to be set free from that and from other things that they should have done that they did not do according to their word, their speech. They ask forgiveness for that. But this is bediavad, which means after the fact. What about when you are able to carry out something, and even though it may not be God's best, what he instructed because you unwisely agreed to it, should you carry it out? Well, this scripture is going to offer us some insight in answering that question. So we see here that, that Joshua, look at the in part, in part of this verse it says they swore to them who the leaders now this is a word that's going to repeat itself frequently in this passage it's the word nisi a ha eda which is the the princes many bibles say it's a word in modern hebrew for a president so the leaders and most see this as the leaders of 
the tribes. This is used as well to speak to the leaders of the tribe who went and scouted out the land of Israel in the book of Numbers. So we have these leaders who made an oath and entered into a covenant with these people. Yes, it was one that was set forth with deception upon the children of Israel by these individuals that lied where they were from and where they had come from and many other things that were untrue. But the children of Israel gave their word. And because, and this is what many scholars believe, because they did not pray, they did not seek godly counsel as they should. They were required, as Joshua's going to demonstrate, to carry out this agreement. Look at verse 16. So we just saw in verse 15 that they entered into a covenant, that they made that agreement, they took that oath, but verse 16 says, and it came about, now that word and could be understood here, but it came about at the end of three days. Now, this is a good example of the number three relating to revealing, declaring something, disclosing something, making it visible, making it understood, proving something to be. And this is exactly what we see here, and that's why it says, but it came about after the end of three days, or with the ending of three days, after which they had cut with them a covenant, it was heard that they were near unto him. Now, unto him means unto the people, unto the children of Israel, unto perhaps Joshua himself, that these were people who were near to him, meaning where Joshua is now. These people weren't far from that. They lied. And because they were with this closeness that they were dwelling, it posed a problem. And that is that from the beginning, they should have annihilated these people. But because they entered into agreement, they gave their word, they took an oath, they made a covenant. And because they did not pray, they did not seek godly counsel in this decision. They, most scholars believe, they were obligated, as Joshua demonstrated, to fulfill, to carry out this agreement, even though that from the beginning, it's not what they should have done. Verse 17, and the children of Israel traveled. Now, they had found out who these people were and where they were from, that they had been deceived, so they traveled. And it says they came to their cities when? Once again, that number three, on the third day. And their cities were Giv'on and Hachpirah and Berot and Kiryat Yarim. Now, all of these places are not far from Jerusalem. This is the general area that we're talking about, very close and near to Jerusalem, a very significant location. And who's going to be there? These liars, these deceivers. They're going to have a presence in the Holy Land. And again, this was not God's will from the beginning. But once more, because Joshua did not pray, 
the leadership did not consult with God and seek God's will in this matter. We see this fact compromise what God wanted to be. Verse 18. Now, because of their word, it says, and they did not strike them. Who did not strike them? The children of Israel did not strike them. These, these men of Givon and these other cities that are mentioned. Why didn't they do so? It says, because they had sworn to them. Who had sworn? The leadership of the congregation in the Lord. So they had made a vow in the Lord. And because they did, and this is an important point, it did not matter the lies, the deceit of the enemy, what they had said. When you give your word, it is very important that you honor your word, that what you say, you carry it out. And the Bible is full of places where it says, now, we know that Messiah taught that it's better not to take a vow, not to swear, not to take an oath, but let your yes be yes and your no, no. But here, because they took that oath, their word meant something. It meant something because it was in a vow and an oath and a covenant. And therefore, the children of Israel did not strike them because they had sworn to them who the leaders of the congregation in the Lord, the God of Israel. Now, some scholars point out that this term, the God of Israel, whenever Israel appears, we should be thinking of kingdom. And we need to sometimes suffer poor decisions in this world in the purpose of integrity, bearing witness that you can trust a child of God's word. What we say, we are going to do, even if it means that we're going to suffer, even if it means that we're going to, to, to be put in a difficult and unpleasant circumstance because we said it we're going to honor it and this is one of the principles that we see in this passage so the god of israel is mentioned a kingdom term we need to realize that obedience to our word now has kingdom implications but what did all and notice this all the congregation meaning everyone but the leaders and we're talking about the leaders of each tribe along with Joshua. It says all the congregation, they did something. Now, I believe some Bibles will say murmur, but it's not the word murmur. It's a word for complaining. It's a very strong word. All in unity, all the congregation, they complained against the leadership. Verse 19, and all the leaders said to all the congregation so we see here that there's unity now among the leadership and they're going to address all the congregation and what are they going to say we have sworn to them notice in the lord the god of israel now it's so important that you see in the lord the god of israel this is the same reason why I selected as our call to worship tonight that same phrase, blessed is the Lord, the God of Israel.
it reminds us that god is not just sovereign in this world but he is going to be sovereign and his word is going to be carried out forever and ever in his kingdom and therefore because god's word we can rely upon if we're the people of god we need to live in such a way that demonstrate that people can rely upon what we say because when we violate our word when we walk not in truth it does what it brings a bad reputation upon god we in many ways are our god's representatives in this world and we should represent god as he is a god of truth so we should be truthful verse 19 the second part we have sworn to them in the lord the god of israel and now we are not able notice what it says to touch them now this word lingoa has to do with brain harm we're not able to harm them that's the implication of we're not able to touch them because we would be breaking a vow that we made notice this in the lord and that phrase in the lord has covenant implications to it verse verse 20 where it says this we will do to them what is this well i've shared with you many times that that frequently when the word zot stands by itself this is the word this it speaks about the primary thing the main thing within a biblical passage so look at verse 20 this this is what we're going to do this is the primary thing the proper thing to do this is what we will do to them and what is that it's a phrase for for leaving them alive we're not going to harm them we're not going to strike them we're not going to put them to death but we are going to leave them alive they are going to live and it will not be unto us now notice this if they didn't if they said well they lied they deceived us but wait we didn't consult god we entered into this of our free initiative we didn't consult god we didn't pray we didn't ask him and therefore because we didn't we are obligated had we inquired god would have led us not to make such an agreement but because we didn't notice what it says because we didn't and we're going to honor this word now it says there will not be upon us the and it's not the normal word for anger that would be af or charon af or za'am something along those lines but this is the word katsef katsef well if i said the word katsefet it would be like whipped cream and i've given this example before when you see a dog that is very angry he begins to salivate he begins to you see that froth in his mouth because he's so angry this is true for many wild animals and so it uses that same term for something that is frothy and white it uses that same term to speak about god's intense anger god's punishment and what he says here is that we can't harm these we can't touch them because we've taken 
an oath. We've made a covenant with them. And if we violate this, then the implication is that the anger, the hot anger of, of God would be upon us because we swore. And what we swore to them, the implication is, we are going to have to carry out. Now, this to me is a huge principle. Many times I feel like, well, if they weren't honest with me, why do I have to honor this agreement? Now, from a logical standpoint, people would agree. They've broken the agreement. They deceived. They didn't provide all the information. All of that's true. But biblically, we see something. Their deceit does not allow me to be deceitful as well. And when, and this is huge, when we take an oath in the Lord, when we make a covenant in the Lord, we are required. Why? This is to testify that covenants, especially godly covenants, always need to be honored. Why? God always honors them. And we are called to behave like him, to resemble him as much as it's possible for a human being to resemble a, a God, divine God. So this is what the scripture is admonishing us to do. Verse 21. And the leaders said unto them, they shall live and they shall be, we have choppers of wood and drawers of water for all the congregation. Now, these people came and they were, were much aware of the power of God, the blessings of God upon the children of Israel. And they knew that they were, were a people that were under the authority of God and who obeyed God. And therefore, they came with deceit, but they were willing to serve. And it's already been discussed that these were going to be choppers of wood and drawers of water, those that draw water and brings it for who? They would be servants to all the congregation, just as, and this was discussed last week, just as uh, uh, they, the leadership, these princes or presidents of, of each tribe, as they had spoken to them. So it must be. They're going to be servants, but they have to be allowed to live. We cannot put them to death. Verse 22. And Joshua called to them, and he spoke to them, saying, Now look at the second part of verse 22. Now, this shows that, yes, these individuals, Anshe, Giv'on, the people of Gidon, and these other areas around Jerusalem, it shows us that they were deceivers, they were cheaters, they were not honorable people. They used deceit to get what they wanted. But realize something. What they were getting was only temporary. All they were being allowed to do is to live in order that they might serve the children of Israel. And we're going to talk about that in greater detail in a moment towards the end of this chapter. But notice they have no eternal implications, meaning this. They're not part of the children of Israel. 
They're not part of, of God's family. They do not have and should not have a kingdom expectation. All they were going to have was life in this world. Their covenant was not a covenant of redemption, but it was a covenant of simply physical sustenance for a season. And this tells us something. Don't focus upon sustenance for a season. They were thinking only in the implications of this world. What do we learn? We learn that, that God is the blessed God. What God? The God of Israel. Now in this world, but that's not the emphasis. He is that blessed God now. He does work in our lives now in this world, but the emphasis is upon the fact that he is a kingdom God. And God works for his kingdom people in the kingdom. Why is that so much more important? As I said, this world is temporal. It is fading away. We look, the political correctness talks about climate change. That, that this world is suffering. And it is. Not because of so much human activity in the sense of carbon emissions and things along those lines but but the creation is suffering because of something much more dangerous than carbon emissions and such and i'm talking about sinfulness see this is the problem the world focuses upon something that is trivial compared to that which is of great importance sinfulness captures god's attention why He's a holy God, and he punishes, destroys sin and those things related to sin. What I'm speaking of, the people. And it's only when we look to God's word and his truth, his revelation, that we can find hope for a sinful people. They didn't come. These people didn't come wanting to be part of the kingdom. They were only concerned about one dimension, Remember that call to worship. It says, Mehaolam ve'ad olam. From this world until the coming world, the kingdom. They weren't interested in the kingdom. They were only interest, interested in sustenance and survival for a season. Don't emphasize a season. Be people who are eternal-minded. Let me say it another way. Be someone who is kingdom-minded. Well, let's move to that next part of verse 22 where it says, Joshua is speaking to them and he says, Lama remitem, which means why did you deceive us saying, we are far from you, very meaning we're very far, where we're from, where we live, where our home is, is very far from you. So Joshua knows the truth. It would have impacted what he and the leadership would have done, but it was too late. They had given their word. They had taken an oath. They had entered into a covenant. And he says, you are with closeness dwellers to us. And now, look at verse 23. Because of this, notice what Joshua says. Very vital that we see this. See, many people might think, and the people of Givon and their neighboring communities may think this way as well. 
and that is we get away with it we lied but we benefited from our lie well that's only in the short term learn a principle a very important principle can you lie and get away with it yes but only briefly only in the short term you may tell a lie and you may get away with it and then you die have you really gotten away with it no why it says it's appointed to everyone to die once and then what the judgment just because you get away with it in this world doesn't mean that you are scot-free because when you leave this world there is judgment i remember when i was working in financial services a a man and he knew he was coming towards the end of his life that he had cancer he had not shared that with others and i remember that we were all so impressed because he made this humongous sell and he received well over a hundred thousand dollars in commission and the honor that comes with making such a unique and, and great sell and we were all congratulating him and happy for him we knew he was coming towards retirement and what a way to go out this is what we all thought but what happened well he died few months later and then about a year later what happened it was uncovered that what he had sold them was not as he said they were looking for an investment not insurance and therefore the company had to return the money and do with it as the people thought the company lost money that family the company decided not to prosecute and not go after that commission money why because they didn't want the bad reputation why they weren't just thinking about now but they were thinking about the future the kingdom future probably not but just a business future but there's a principle you don't get away with things eternally and what did joshua say look at verse 23 he says and now even though they think that they survived he says but now in contrast to what you believe but now cursed are you now they weren't put to death but they were going to be eternally cursed yes they would have a momentary reprieve of a while until all of that people died out perhaps their generations thereafter their offspring continues on and such so be it but they have no kingdom hope they have no kingdom expectation because they nevertheless they are cursed he says but now cursed are you and it says you will literally and he meaning the people you are not going to be be cut off from being a slave so they agreed to be servants choppers of wood and bringers of the water drawing the water out for the congregation and he says that's never going to cease you are going to be in slavery as long as any of your generation is alive you are going to be servants you will never know freedom that position 
is not going to be changed that's what it means here when it says lo yikaret mikem evet you are not going to be cut off meaning release from being a servant from those who chop the wood and those that draw the water for the house of my god now this is a reference to the temple they're going to serve the temple purposes but not in worship they're doing it as a consequence of who they are and what is that a faithless people they did not seek the mercy of god rahav and i'm talking about rahab she sought mercy she acted in faith she knew the truth about the god of israel and she responded and made decisions based upon knowing about god the scripture says and we learned this earlier in the book of joshua all the people of of the land of canaan knew this but they were paralyzed by fear they did not act in faith they did not seek mercy they did not seek the blessings of god and therefore these people they have no hope verse 24 they answered joshua and they said for surely it's been told to your servants now surely it's been told is a phrase who get who god now you see that it's the same root lagit which means to tell it's in the hebrew seville which is the english passive meaning not that they told but it was told to them it's the repetition of that same word in two different passive constructions which causes us to translate it that they were utterly told they 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 knew this so it says and surely it was told to your servants what the lord your god commanded moses his servant to give to you all the land and destroy all the inhabitants of the land from before you now this is true why god knew something god knew in his omniscience that these individuals were not willing to submit now there's a play on words because what land are we talking about the land of the canaanites did you know the term canaanite comes from a hebrew word which means to submit these are the people who were to submit but god knew it was not their nature to do so what's so important about what we've learned already in the book of joshua is this woman rachav and her family they did they humbled themselves they trusted as we learned they trusted in the grace of god this term chesed chesed vehemet the grace and the truth and because of that they found life and they were brought in as rachav rehab testifies being in the genealogy of messiah they were brought into a kingdom hope a messianic promise but not these people so it says look at the end of verse 24 we will do this thing meaning we'll let them live but they're going to be forever slaves and they're going to be the ones that draw the water 
and, and chop the wood and bring it for the purpose of the children of Israel and the temple. Look now to verse 25. The, the men of Giv'on and the surrounding communities are speaking, and it says, And now we are in your hand, meaning we're under your authority. As good and as upright in your eyes, do to us, meaning it shall be done and it ought to be done. Verse 26. And they did to them thusly. They delivered them from the hand of the children of Israel, meaning they were delivered from what the congregation wanted to do, which was what? Kill them. The leadership, because they, and this is an important point, because they had given their word, they did not allow the children of Israel to kill them. The leadership delivered them. And it says, and they did not kill them. Verse 27. Now, verse 27 is our last verse, but it's a very significant one. Look at it. It says, And Joshua appointed them, it's the word to give, to give over, to place. But here it should be understood as Joshua appointed them when? Beyom hahu. Now, I've made mention that this phrase, Beyom hahu, literally means on that day but whenever that phrase appears it should always be thought of in the context of judgment precisely the day of judgment that great day of judgment so they weren't uh, uh escaping they were put forth they were appointed by joshua for that day that judgment day but before that judgment day would come they would be choppers of wood and draws of water for the congregation and for the altar of the Lord unto this day, meaning in the present time, meaning in Joshua's time, they served the altar. Now realize, there was a lot of offerings offered up upon the altar, and that required wood, it required water to wash the blood and to deal with it properly. And this is what these people did. And understand what some of the commentators, both Christian and Jewish, point out. They were slaves to the altar, but never received any of the benefits. Now, why is that important? Because when you lie, you are not going to receive any kingdom blessing. It puts us into servitude. It makes us slaves. And we're going to serve being slaves, but never receiving any of the benefit. And it says, this took place at what location? At the place which he chose. Now, why is there? Why is that there? To teach us. God chose this place. What place? The land of Canaan. Now, don't miss a very important truth, and that is this. This land that God gave to his children, the children of Israel, it was a fortified land. The city of Jericho attests to that. The people there, as it's stated in the book of Numbers, 
in the Torah portion called Shalach Lecha, when those spies were sent out from the leadership of each tribe. It says here that they came back with a report. Now, it was a faithless report, but remember what they said. We were like grasshoppers in their sight. The enemy was so strong, but realize, God defeated that enemy. And that enemy, as strong as they were, they were strong in the flesh, but they were weak spiritually. They were paralyzed by fear. What fear? An improper fear. Instead of humbling themselves and having a proper fear of the Lord, Yerat HaShemayim, they had pachat, which is a paralyzing fear that causes us to flee from the instructions of God. And this is what these people, Giv'on, and the surrounding communities received. They became slaved. They were forever, forever servants of that which gave them no benefit. So let's not be servants of what we could say vanity, but let's be servants of truth, speaking truth, in order that through the truth, we can find blessings. And I'll close with this. You can only find blessings through truth. And what is truth? God's revelation. When you bind that as the foundation of your life, you are going to be led by him through the anointing of his spirit into a kingdom expectation and eventually a kingdom reality. There is a relationship between truth and the kingdom of God. That truth today gives us a kingdom hope that is going to be realized in the future. Well, until next time, shalom from Israel. We hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is Jesus as you walk with it. Shalom from Israel.